If I have not had the opportunity to meet you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King, and I'm glad that you chose to join us during this wonderful Christmas season. I want to start off by welcoming all those of you who are here at our Bellingham campus. I want to welcome those who are watching at our Ferndale campus as well. And you'll notice as of late, I've been welcoming those who watch online as well. 21 countries from around the world, somebody clicks on the website and watches what it is that we're doing here. And uh, we are their church. I heard from a group in Argentina just this past week who have actually been watching for about a year. And uh, so we welcome the Argentinian Christ the King believers. Welcome. We're glad that you're here with us too. A couple of brief announcements as we get started. First of all, as we go towards the end of the year, some of you may be contemplating year-end giving. And so I wanted to just bring you up to speed with kind of how that works here at Christ the King. Obviously, if you do give a gift and you want tax credit for it in this year, it needs to be postmarked by the end of the year. And all of those details are in your program. These four envelopes are at the back. They kind of hang at the back of the, of the worship center here. They'll also be available at the Ferndale campus. We don't make a big deal about this stuff. And so some of you may not even know that they're there. So I'm just going to point them out to you. As you think about the end of the year, there are four primary needs at Christ the King. One is this little yellow envelope, which uh, represents the building fund of Christ the King. We don't talk about this a whole lot, but this campus at one time had a debt when we started of over $9 million, if you added it all up. Now, the good news is that number uh, now starts with a two, not a nine. And so we're thankful for that, and we praise God for that. But if you'd like to give towards bricks and mortar, if that's your heart, this is a great opportunity. If you have a heart for missions, we're doing work in Africa, we're doing work in India, Central America, Mexico, all over the world, literally around the globe. And so if you've got a touch point on that one, that would be an opportunity. This green envelope has been in your program over the last four to five weeks. And God has done incredible things already through the gift of the blessing, which is what looks after our benevolence. This is where, as a church family, we get to be somebody else's miracle. And benevolence is we help feed people. We fund our food bank through this. Uh, we make sure that people are blessed during Christmas time. And so that's an opportunity. And the last one is a little white envelope. This is for the general fund of Christ the King. The general fund is the lifeblood of this place. If the, if the general fund doesn't get funded, we can't do ministry. And so if you're contemplating in any way year-end giving, those are four opportunities, and we would love for you to be able to look at those and pray that God does whatever it is uh, that He prompts you to do. On Sunday night at the Bellingham campus, we are doing our family Christmas uh, celebration that's called Just the Beginning. Last year, we did one great big Christmas bash, kind of a, a production extravaganza, if you want to call it. This year, we decided to move it into a couple of different compartments and try to reach a bunch of different people. So, Sunday night, this weekend, uh, just the beginning is Kids in Chaos, okay? That's how it goes. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get Kids in Chaos, about 150 of them. There's dance, worship, the kids' choirs are singing, both two levels of kids' choirs. It's going to be an awesome time. Christmas stories afterwards, uh, hot chocolate, cider, photo ops for your family out in the comments, all different kinds of stuff going on. That one's going to be crazy, wild, and fun. That's where you need to kind of set your expectation if you're coming. If you're looking for something quieter and calmer, the following week, the adult choir is going to be joining us and we're going to be doing candlelight communion. So that's a week from Sunday evening. And we invite you to be able to make, uh, make opportunity for both of those. We'd love to have you come and join us both as we get ready for this Christmas season. 
I can remember with crystal clarity what I was thinking when Laurel told me that we were going to have a baby. The first thing in my mind was, God has lost his mind because I know nothing about babies, nothing, absolutely nothing. My wife grew up around babies. She understands what they do, how to treat them, how to make them stop crying. I had no other connection with a baby other than that I was one at one point. That's as far as my understanding went. And after I got through those initial thoughts of fear, what are we going to do? How are we going to pull this off? I began to think just a little bit in a different direction. And one of my first questions was, who are we going to tell? Like, who do we get to share this amazing news with? I wanted to tell everybody on the very first day. Like, let's just cover the globe and tell everybody. Grandparents, friends, co-workers, Prime Minister of Canada, President of the U.S. Like, let's just let everybody know that the fish books are having a baby because it's big news when you're expecting your first child. I have always, at Christmas time, been intrigued with who God chose to make the big announcement to. It's always kind of mystified me that God would choose who He chose to tell that there was a baby coming. Not just any baby, the incarnate Son of God. You're going to hear us say the word incarnation around here a lot during Christmas time. Don't be afraid of the word incarnation. I explained this last year. I'm just going to give you kind of the Reader's Digest version again. The word incarnation is actually a redneck theological term, okay? It literally means with meat. I know that kind of freaks you out, but you talk about it in your lives on a fairly regular basis. Whenever you eat chili con carne, you're actually getting the root word of the word incarnation, which means with meat. That's what it means, okay? The incarnation means God put human flesh on him and came here. He drew near to people at Christmas time. Well, this past week, I was thinking about God's options for the big announcement. I mean, who could he have told about the incarnation? I left some blanks in your outline. You can follow along if you'd like to. I mean, God could have told the Romans who were in charge of culture at that time. I mean, this choice would have made sense because the, the Romans were running the show in Middle Eastern ancient times. They conquered pretty much everybody. They had an amazing system of roads and communication, so they could have spread this news very efficiently, very quickly, but God left them out of it entirely. He could have chosen the religious leaders of Jerusalem who were in charge of spirituality. I mean, this would have made some sense because these guys were already looking for a Messiah. And they had the religious checklist stuff kind of, kind of down pat. They all had perfect Sunday school attendance cards. I mean, they even had the religious uniform ready to go. But God bypasses them too. So I'm thinking, who else could he have told? He could have told the king who was in charge of local government. We talked about Herod last weekend. And this one would have made sense. I mean, to go to a governor, a mayor, some kind of local official who could have stepped up and made some kind of a proclamation. There's a baby coming to Bethlehem. Everybody should know. But God sidestepped him too. I was thinking about one more option. I mean, he could have chosen the celebrities of the day who were in charge of pop culture, right? Every culture has celebrities of some kind. He could have chosen that because, I mean, every good king needs a few celebrity endorsements, right? He could have done that, but instead, God chose a completely different route. And this is so important. I actually want you to write it into your outline. Could have chosen Romans. Could have chosen religious leaders. Could have chosen kings. Could have chosen celebrities. But God chose 
shepherds. Shepherds. We've done a very good job of sanitizing shepherds with our nativity scenes. I checked. We have three nativity scenes in our house. In one nativity scene, our, the shepherd kind of looks like Batman. I don't know why. He just does, okay? In another one, he looks very stoic, very holy. My favorite of the three, though, he just looks tired. Like he's been working all day long. Let me tell you the truth about shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest rung of the social ladder. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed to testify in a Jewish court because people just assumed that they were lying all of the time. If you couldn't get any other job, you probably ended up being a shepherd. Shepherds were dirty. Shepherds were homeless. Shepherds were marginalized and they were judged by everybody. I tried to think of, of a modern equivalent. The only one that I came up with drove me nuts this week because God stuck His convicting finger right in the middle of my August. See, the group of people that He pointed out to me that shepherds were very much like in our modern society, I I like to make fun of when the fair rolls into town. You need a modern equivalent for shepherds? Try carnival workers. The carnies, the people that we think look a little different than we do and the way they put up the rides and the way they operate and they look a little shifty and I was kind of bothered by the fact that God would bring up that kind of an example because I had to repent of some of the things that I said about that group of people and here's what's amazing to me that's who God chose God chose the unwashed the uneducated the unmortgaged, the unacceptable, the unthinkable. He chose that group to be the receivers of the most incredible announcement that's ever come from heaven. And I believe this, in choosing the lowest and the illogical, God sends an unbelievably clear message. And the message is this, God wants to draw everybody. Everybody. The welcome mat is open. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. You get to come. You can't disqualify yourself from the presence of God. There's nothing you can do or cannot do to make Him love you anymore. God has a thing for you. It doesn't matter whether you think you belong or you're a part of the group. It doesn't matter. God comes near to a group of blue-collar, common guys, and that's who He chooses to get the big news. Why? Because He loved them. They weren't too dirty for him. They weren't too marginalized for him. No, they, they, God wanted to draw even them close. What does that mean for us at Christmas? It means this. It means if you're just a common, ordinary person, if you're you're just a regular, blue-collar, ordinary guy or girl, it means the news that God would choose them should make you sit up a little straighter and lift your, le- lift your head just a little bit higher because those are your people and God chose your kind of people. Regular people. Common people. Bellingham. Whatcom County kind of people. I know some of us are always trying to disqualify ourselves from God's attempt to draw near to us. And sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. What were the shepherds thinking as they ran to Bethlehem? I wish they could have seen about about 28 or 29 years into the future because what they would have known is that God was just being consistent. 
He chooses shepherds to give the big news to. He needs to choose a group of disciples. Who does he pick? Tax collectors and fishermen. But I wonder if they were insecure. I wonder if they were questioning, why, why in the world would he tell us? I wonder if they were asking the question that a lot of us ask from time to time. I mean, what in the world do we know about holy, right? What do we know about God? What do we know about a perfect child who came here to save us from our sins? I'm going to ask Mary and Derek to come and help me out. And why don't we all ask the question, what do we know about holy? There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I've said this before. One thing I love about God is that before he ever asks anything of you or me, he always goes first. So before God asks these common men to release anything, we need to see what it is that God releases. God releases an angelic messenger, an angelic choir. I mean, He sends out a lead angel and a host of angels. They're dispatched from heaven with an incredible mission. Go and tell God's people that God's coming. I mean, I love the fact that they're sent to calm the fears. They're sent to keep the shepherds from freaking out. I mean, God sends a worship team out front because he wants the worship to go to the right place. Then he releases an amazing announcement that somehow God is coming here. It's unthinkable. They say, I bring you good news of great joy that's for absolutely everybody, for the unwashed, for the broken, for the banker, for, for everybody in between. It's the same news that today, not tomorrow, not someday, but today, right here, right now, God is drawing near that Emmanuel, God is with us, has actually arrived. In that moment, God releases his best, his most precious, his most loved. God releases a son, a savior, a baby. He continues to draw near. I love that God lets go first, that God gives first. And the story continues. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they 
had been told. Last week, we started with the wise men, the furthest point away from the manger we could get to. And we saw what it was that they had to release to let go of in order to have a face-to-face encounter with a toddler God. Strange, isn't it? Last week, we saw them release, and God drew near. Well, let's see what these common guys let go of. I put it in your outline this way. To respond to the announcement, the shepherds had to release a responsibility. Now, before I'm just completely misinterpreted, let me say this. Nothing wrong with responsibility. If you're a responsible person, good for you. Responsibility is what keeps us doing the right thing and helps us from engaging in the wrong things. Responsibility is good unless you take on your shoulders this hyper-responsibility to carry things that are not yours to carry. They're for God to carry. And I'm going to put up my hand first off and say, I do not do this well, okay? I do not do this well. I pick up things all of the time that God doesn't expect me to carry. God doesn't expect me to carry them. He doesn't even want me to carry them. I just pick them up on my own, throw them on my back, and then get angry when I'm feeling crushed underneath of that load. I mean, I have to constantly remind myself that the Bible says that Jesus said that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I have to remind myself constantly that my name is not mentioned in that sentence anywhere. In fact, most of the letters don't even show up. All right? All of us carry stuff on our shoulders. Let's make this personal. Some of you carry the burden of your family dysfunction on your shoulders. Because somewhere way back when, you took on your shoulders the role of trying to make everybody happy at Christmas time. Here's what I know about you. You use the word peacemaker to make yourself feel better because it's a biblical word. That's not what that means. You're a referee in a cage fight at Christmas time. That's what's going on there. And you have grabbed a hold of that role. And you're dreading December the 25th because they're coming. They're coming to your turf. And somehow you're going to have to stand between mom and dad and keep them from throwing a turkey. You're going to have to stand in front of your brother or your sister and say, that's not cool. You're the one who's going to reach out and grab a glass out of somebody's hand and say, that's enough. And the truth is, You hate what's going to happen at your house on Christmas. Can we just give you permission to be human today? I mean, this is going to be unthinkable to some of you, but let's just say it. What if this year, instead of you having to keep your family in check, what if you resigned from that position and placed your entire family system at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and allowed His love and His blood to take care of Him. Would it change you? Would it allow you to breathe? Some of you are carrying the burden of a have-to list at Christmas. I got to get it done. I got to be everywhere. I've got to buy the perfect gift. I got to make sure that it's perfect. I got to get to, to this staff thing and this staff thing and this work thing. And I got to do this and by four o'clock and this has this deadline. And we haven't got this yet. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. 
I mean, what part of Christmas finds you crying yourself to sleep at night because you can't believe the pressure? I mean, what if you laid that down? What if you chose to take your hand off of it and ask God to put His hand on it? What about those who might be here who don't even believe in this whole Christmas thing? What if you put down your pride and just considered for a moment that God loved you so much that He would send His Son even when you claim that He did not exist? Would that change your Christmas? I think so. I mean, the shepherds had a responsibility, and it was a good responsibility. It was look after the sheep. And the Scripture doesn't tell us they abandoned the sheep. I mean, they, they didn't say, you know, sorry, got to go. Hope you can outrun the wolf. I mean, whatever you got to do. They didn't say that. That's not in there. No, they have to make a simple decision. They're choosing between two actually good things. I'm sure they entrusted the care of the sheep to some of the under-shepherds, people who could handle it, and then they made a decision. And here's the decision that gets all of us. They chose over the sheep, the good shepherd. Over the sheep, they chose the sacrificial lamb, and that's what allowed them to have a front-row seat at Christmas. We've got the same opportunity, my friends. The same opportunity. Christ the King, what responsibility do you need to lay down so that you can draw near to God? What can you take your hands off of? What tradition just needs to go because it's killing you and making you miserable? What I have to could be replaced by some I get to. I get to worship God in spirit and in truth this year. I get to stand in front of a nativity set and actually know what it means. I get to watch children in their purity sing at the top of their lungs. Happy birthday, Jesus. Come on, adults, when was the last time you wished Jesus a happy birthday? Right? We're too distinguished for that. It's His birthday, His incarnation, His arrival. It was God drawing near. Now, this is a tough one. I understand it. It's we're responsible people. We do what we're told. We just go through the checklist. It's wonderful. Is it? What have you taken on your shoulders that God never intended to be there? And will you trust Him enough at Christmas time to take that burden off of you? And I find it amazing. I put this in your outline that, that when they released their responsibility, that releasing their responsibility allowed the shepherds the freedom to have some things happen. Let me tell you some of the freedoms. The first thing they were freed up to do was to change the location of their abiding. Famous telling of the Christmas story says that there were shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Whether that's the Charlie Brown version or the King James version, you know, version, I think they're both valid in this point, right? There were shepherds abiding in the fields. I always thought abiding was another word for lazy, but I was wrong. The shepherds were living out their calling. They were camping out, doing exactly what they were called to do, under the stars, trying to stay warm, caring for sheep. But when they got the news, they shifted the location of their abiding from being close to sheep to getting close to the one who would become the sacrificial lamb to look after the sins of every human being, the one who would eventually become the good 
shepherd. It just begs me to ask a question. Where are you living this Christmas season? I'm not talking about a geographic address. Where are you living? I mean, have you taken up residence with the herd at the mall? Is that where you're living? Or are you getting as close as you can to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ Himself? Are you camping out with God for the next couple of weeks? Or are you going to live at, at an address that's called distracted and frazzled? Maybe it's got the word chaos painted over the door. I mean, I want to remind all of us what Jesus said to us about abiding. He said this in John 15. He said, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? It means this. If you're living to create this perfect Christmas, it's not possible without Jesus. You can't even play referee well without Jesus. You can't get through it without Jesus. And more than just having Jesus be a part of it, Jesus wants to be the focal point. He wants to invite you to draw near, to get close, to not stand at an arm's length. I mean, you want to hear some heresy? This is heresy. God is watching us from a distance. That's not true. He's here. He's near. And He wants to abide in you while you abide in Him. Here's the next one. This, they got freed up to share the story. The Bible says they spread the good news about what they'd seen and heard. I mean, I love my job. You know what I love about my job? I get to tell this story. It's a challenge every year, but I love to get to share the details. I like to try and make it come alive. Now, who are you going to tell the story to? I was a youth pastor for more than a decade of my life. And one of my favorite moments happened with a young guy. His name was Roy. Roy was a young Hispanic guy. He started coming to our group. He struggled with English in the first part of our friendship as we got to know each other. But we would, we'd go out and hang out together. We'd have coffee and just talk about what it was. Because this was amazing. Everything that we talked about as a part of our youth group, Roy had never heard before. It was all new to him. And I remember sitting at Bob's in Sumas. Roy's sitting across from me eating shrimp for lunch. And I'm telling him the story of Christmas, and he says, Hold on! Do you mean to tell me God had a kid? I said, Yeah. Have you, Roy, have you never heard about Jesus? He said, I'm going to do my best to imitate him so you get the flavor. He said, Jesus? Oh my, half of my family is named after the Son of God. That's what he said. That's what he said. True story. I mean, do you know the story? God creates man, puts him in a perfect spot. Man totally messes it up by sinning. God doesn't run the other direction. Instead, he loves mankind so much that he chooses his, his son, his, his son. I don't even know how to explain that. His son to come back to build a bridge so that we don't have to die in a Christless eternity. And he showed up at Christmas time. What an amazing story. 
Who will you tell that story to this year? But the guy at the gas pump. But the lady at the restaurant. How about your kid's teacher? How about that friend that you've known for 30 years and you've never told them why Christmas means anything to you? How about them? Here's the last one. By releasing this responsibility, they were able to have the freedom to experience pure joy. The Bible says the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. I love it. Where where do the shepherds return to? Their responsibility, right? Their real responsibility. But they go back to the responsibility different than they left it. All of a sudden, they're glorifying and praising God. They're experiencing pure joy because they put aside something good for the sake of getting something pure. Suddenly, they have a new perspective. Hope and peace has invaded them. Why? Because God got this close. They got so close to God, they could touch Him. Would you like to do the same? What if you could get so close to God you could touch Him? What do you need to let go of to get that close? What do you need to exchange so that you can worship and get face to face with God? What do you need to let go of permanently? What do you need to release temporarily? I mean, I like to practice what I preach. So last week, I canceled four meetings that I normally have on a week-by-week basis, and I went around, I went and found a quiet corner in another church, and I sat there all by myself, and I listened to a beautiful sound. It's called silence, and I sang to myself. And I read my Bible. And Jesus sat right with me. It was the strangest thing. He was waiting for me. He'd been so distracted, Grant. So busy doing this pastor thing. So busy with church. What about Jesus? I was amazed. He wanted me to come and just abide with him. I found out the truth again, James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So without being a total downer at Christmas time, if you actually read around James 4, 8, the words are very blunt and almost harsh. God uses words like confess, repent, Turn. And those harsh words are wrapped around a beautiful little truth that's a promise. If you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. If you need to confess to God that you've already messed up His birthday and it's not even here yet, maybe you need to tell Him that. He's not going to be surprised. Maybe you need to confess that you just all wrapped up in the wrong stuff. Maybe you need to repent of the role that you've had in your family for years. Because it's not a role that God asked you to take. You just picked that one up on your own. 
Maybe you need to repent of the simple fact that your world's just way too loud and that God would rather have you draw near. So as we close, let's just have a couple of quiet moments. Because this has nothing to do with me and you. It has everything to do with you and Emmanuel, who is God with us. Let's pray. Father, in the quietness of this moment, as we repent of an attitude that's gone sour, as we confess that we just don't know anything about holy at all, as we come asking for forgiveness because we stop trusting you, or maybe have neglected you entirely, God, if we come in this moment confessing that we thought there was no God, Lord, whatever our confession, whatever our repentance this Christmas time, I pray that we would know God is near, that God is here, and that He wants to forgive and restore and change, that God wants to make a divine exchange. We bring our garbage, and He gives us grace. So God, whatever the prayer, I pray that you, as holy God, would touch us and heal us. God, thank you that you announced the birth of your Son to us, too. God, we are so happy to say we're the common ones. We are ordinary. We are regular blue-collar people. And we are so amazed that you would want to whisper to us the good news that a Savior has been born, and He is Christ the Lord. Thank you for sharing the story. May we be faithful in sharing it this Christmas season. And we pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.